0: I'm Amber Tresca, and this is About IBD. I'm a medical writer and patient educator who lives with a J pouch due to ulcerative colitis. It's my mission to educate people living with Crohn's disease or ulcerative colitis about their disease, and to bring awareness to the patient journey. Welcome to episode 141. Look, there's never a good time to receive a diagnosis of IBD, but being diagnosed when you are an active member of the US military brings some specific challenges. For some, it may lead to being separated from service. Now that could be for a lot of different reasons, including the need for treatments that are infusions or injections. However, there seems to be a sea change taking place in recent years. One factor is that there are now more options for treatment that are oral medications. Plus, the understanding of IBD is increasing, and with more effective treatment options, some people may find that their disease is better controlled overall. My guest is Dr. Anish Patel. Dr. Patel is the medical director of the Inflammatory Bowel Disease Center at Brook Army Medical Center. He is also the only formally trained IBD specialist within the Department of Defense. He explains the challenges of managing IBD during active military service, how he helps people stay in the military once they're diagnosed, and he offers some tips that anyone living with IBD or chronic illness needs to hear. Dr. Patel, thank you so much for coming on About IBD.
1: Oh, thanks again, Amber, for having me. I really appreciate it.
0: Oh, it is my pleasure. Absolutely. So I wonder if you would start by introducing yourself.
1: Sure. Uh, my name is Dr. Anish Patel. I'm actually an active duty uh, lieutenant colonel in the U.S. Army. I'm currently the director of the Inflammatory Center here in San Antonio at Brook Army Medical Center. Um, and I have the opportunity, I'm the only IBD trained person in the U.S. military. Um, I got trained in Mount Sinai um, around 2015 to 16 is when I got trained in it.
0: And Dr. Patel, that was actually my first question for you. I, I read that. You? that you? you <laughs> did. You, uh, you laughed me there. Um, that that you were the only formally trained IBD specialist within the Department of Defense, which I found absolutely wild. Um, so I wonder if you would start by telling us why did you decide to make this your focus?
1: Yeah, you know, it's funny. Um, my fellows always ask me this question, too. Um, um, every time they see IBD patients or in clinic, the first question they ask is, why did you do this? Um, and, it, and not to be offensive to any IBD patient, um, it is a difficult field. I mean, pa- patients are complicated. They're really sick. Um, I think it was a niche need. It, you know, when, when, I, when I graduated fellowship in 2013, I actually wanted to be a liver specialist. I actually mm. want to be a hepatologist. Um, I was, you know, geared towards that, ready to go, um, right the day before, um so the military does like a matching system. Right. The day before I pull my ma- I pull my my um application. I say, you know what, I don't know if I want to do liver for the rest of my life. Mm. Um so then I, you know, I spent like a year up at, you know, uh Fort Cavazos, which is now known as Fort or previously known as Fort Hood. Um, and I saw a lot of IBD patients. I mean, to the point where they're getting mismanaged. I mean, civilian network, wow. wherever they're at, were getting really mismanaged. I'm like, you know what? This is something, especially active duty soldiers. I mean, people that you know. I put the uniform on for uh, for a reason to help these people, mm-hmm. and they're coming in like miserable, sick, and I was like, I, you know, I like I, I started liking it. You know, once I started helping them, getting them on therapies, so I like getting better. So I was like, you know, I can maybe make this like hopefully a career for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my own personal stuff. I mean, I went through some medical issues, and and I, I haven't been able to scope because of my medical issues. So mm-hmm. I was like, well, if I can't scope. What am I going to do? I mean, you know, the livelihood of most GI doctors is scoping. So then, so then, you know, this became the passion. diabetes became the passion because I, you know, my medical disease doesn't affect my brain. Mm-hmm. So if I can still think and help people, then I'm going to do it. So that's kind of how I fell into IBD. You know, part, you know there, there were mentors too. I mean, I, you know, I had the opportunity with Crohn's and Colitis to go to a one month fellowship at um, um, in San Francisco with doc, Dr. Mahadevan and her husband, and mm-hmm. that really kind of like solidified, you know, my interest in it. Um, and obviously, you know, then going to Mount Sinai, just, I mean, some of the big name figures that you know at Sinai, from Bell to Dubinsky to Cornwall, to I mean, they, these are juggernauts in the field um, that I got the chance to like sit down to next to, get to know them as 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 not just superhumans, but humans. Got to know them as people um, um, and really got to be very humbled. Um, and really, it did solidify. I mean, after the fellowship, it really solidified, this is what I want to do. This is my passion, my interest. And I think, the nice thing was in the military, there was nobody who did it. Yeah, no, nobody, nobody, you know, was selected ever in any time in, in military history in gastroenterology that anybody wanted to go do an IBD fellowship. Um, so for me, it was one probably more of a livelihood thing. Is like you know, it, it's one of the things like I will always have a job. Number one, number two is going to be it was a nice niche practice. I mean, cause you know, for me, like I'm the only person doing this in the military, you know, dead set fourth year trained in this one. Um, so, you know, it allowed it allowed me to have my agenda, um, which is very small, but it's more to push military medicine to the brink um, and get people taken care of with it.
0: Mm -hmm. it's more long-winded if I (laughs) wanted. no it's it's really interesting you know because it's it's it takes into consideration your own personal interests but then also the people you met along the way and then also just other things that just set you on this path which I'm grateful for because there's clearly a there's clearly a need I can't believe I still can't believe you're the only one
1: (laughs) yeah yeah I mean I mean it's it's like a it's like a, a blessing and a curse at the same time Yeah,
0: uh,
1: is that, you know, I had mentors that pushed me to do it and, you know, mm-hmm. you really kind of fought and, you know, got the paperwork through and, and they've allowed me to go do it. But, you know, the curse is I am the only one fourth mm-hmm. year trained. Um, I've been very lucky because I, I had to train fellows every single day and I've had, so I had, you know, one of my good colleagues, Dr. David Delaney is with me now I mean he, he stayed on his staff. And so he is like the next, you know, you know, he really kind of take it on IBD with me. And then I also have fellows that, have graduated uh, other sites that are interested in IBD. So, you know, for me, you know, it it is a bit of a curse, but it's also um, something we build on. I I think that's what it is. I mean, mean, even though I'm the only person, but I can build on that and hopefully get more people interested in it, but also highlight the fact that the military does have these issues. They do have people that have this disease. Um, It's a little bit of a different way we manage them um, um, when it comes to typical civilian people. And I think that's where, that's where, um, the, the blessing of doing that for you does help with that one. Mm-hmm.
0: You know, you led right into my next question, which is what is the difference in what you yeah. do versus what, uh, is done in the civilian space for IBD?
1: Yeah. 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 I mean, so, and that's a great question. So, so one of the big things we do, so for example, if you're in the civilian sector and you got diagnosed today, you know, you're obviously going to take in consideration your jobs and what you do, obviously. Okay, um, but it may not affect your livelihood. Like if you're a CEO for a corporation, you can still go on an infusion or an injectable and be fine. In the military, you can't.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So if you're if you're a pilot, for example, I can't put you on injectable therapy because
0: mm-hmm.
1: they can't fly in the plane with injectables. They can't refrigerate that one. You know, my army folks who get deployed, if they're sleeping in tents outside. You know, they can't. There's a, you know, it's not like you get like a nice little like Maytag refrigerator, um, um, right. and, you, know, you, know, you know, deployed with. Uh, so you can't keep it in the fridge. Mm-hmm. So, so it becomes a really big logistical thing, too. And this is where the orals, you know, help us a lot. So, you know, for me, I have to take into consideration not, not obviously what they want to. I mean, obviously, you know, if, if, you know, their considerations on treatment management, but also I have to be aware of what the military wants, too. Remember, you, you know, this is a volunteer service. Mm-hmm. Um, so many of these folks, you know, come in, these guys and girls come in and they, this is their livelihood. This is, they want to make a career of it. And then they get diagnosed with something to build like IBD. You know, no one asked them to get it. You know, you know, it, you know, the, the, we, we always have this joke in the army is that if the army wanted to have something, they'll just, they'll just, they'll just keep it to you. Okay. They, they, you know, they, 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 they'll, they'll supply it for you. Mm-hmm. Um, no one wants to get supplied IBD. So I think that's where um, the big difference is like, I, I need take their career to consideration, but also military. I mean, I need to make sure they can deploy. I can make sure they can do their job, right. what they're doing. Because if we lose some people, what happens? Your donation can't get protected very well. I mean, so, so there's a lot of, you know, you know interplay with, with my, not just medical management, their job, but also – career limitations and all kind of stuff that goes on that I, I can my, my, my buddies at the IBD centers too. It's like, you know, you know, every single time it's like, what we, how are you different than anybody else and what we do? And I, and I, I give them the same thing. I just kind of told you, they're like,
0: Oh, oh yeah. yeah
1: We didn't think about that. You go, yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's mm-hmm. my job <laughs> to think about that. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a little bit of a different spin on how we manage them with it.
0: Yeah. A hundred percent. And it makes, um, yeah. it makes perfect sense. But also though it goes beyond injectables because people with IBD need more care than just mm-hmm. you know prescribing them a drug so h- how do you work with other providers in order to give your patients that holistic care that yeah. IBD patients need
1: yeah, you know, you know the whole, uh, and you, you hit on the, the big thing, Amber. Is, is going to be this whole multidisciplinary care kind of package, uh, and it's tough. We're military, okay? Mm-hmm. You, you know, I I don't have the the courtesy of an Ivy Tower where we get tons of funding and I can have a dietitian, a psychologist, and a coordinator and so social. Sure. I we're I mean, I get what I get, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Okay, we were able to build an IBD center from scratch with whatever scraps I can get. I mean, so I don't have an embedded dietitian. I don't have an embedded psychologist. Mm-hmm. We have vetted, like, so we have divisions that have this. We have departments that are there. So I vetted some psychologists to help us. Um, nutrition has been a little bit of a tough deal. So I actually, um, myself, got selected to go to Cedar sinais nutrition program, um, which is a year-long program. So so I, I personally took it on my onus to, to be the only person in IBD in the military doing nutrition also, wow. nutrition and IBD. Um, Part of that, I mean, obviously, I can't, we can't do, it. I mean, we have 15, 20 minute appointments. Mm. So, and, and we all know we can't do everything that whole time. So what we started doing is we started kind of farming it out a little bit.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so my mentors at Mount Sinai, so, so this is, you, you know, with, with Dr. Dubinsky and Dr. Kiefer, mm-hmm. you know, they saw Trellis Health. Um, Trellis Health has been a, a really big game changer for us in the military, for example. Um, it's because they take care of all the ancillaries that we we don't have. Like the military won't pay for it from, you know, social working to nurse practitioners to I.B. nutritionists that are trained in their program. Um, so we have been able to offload a good chunk of patients to them to help them help us and, 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 and they co-manage it. So, so they're not going to sit there and, you know, go and say, oh, you know, this patient family the biology you can change your biologic. They're taking care of the psychosocial aspect yeah. of, of the thing to help us out. Like, I will do some of it in clinic. Like, my fellows know how to do it. My, you know, I teach them how to do it. But it is, I mean, you open a Pandora's box. I mean, the one big question my fellows hate, hate when I come into their room and to talk to a patient is, how are you doing? <laughs> it is, it is, yeah. it, it is like, it's the most simple <laughs> question you could ever ask somebody mm-hmm. an ibd patient and eh, not so much no. um the cat comes out of the box and then the 20 minute appointment goes into 40 minutes uh, with that one and we get we get pushed behind uh, with that one so so a lot of it, you know for the first like couple years i mean i was doing everything and it was tough it's tough trying to do the nutrition the psychology and stuff like that and i, and I don't have a psychology background like, i'm not i'm not a psychologist i right? so for me kind of doing like resiliency, training, coping kind of stuff. I'm not, I mean, I learned it and was very lucky to be with mentorship with Dr. Kiefer out of Sinai. Um, but I, I can't do a whole session like she does. So, you know, with her help a lot, I've done a lot of psychology with her, um, push a lot of people to her independent kind of stuff. But now that they started their own platform with Trellis, it's been a huge game changer for us. Mm-hmm. I mean, so, so a lot of stuff we're now, we're kind of saying Roman, 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 well, is uh, mm-hmm. another like dietary one that that I do require, you know uh, recommend patients to also. Mm-hmm. Um, because I bet a lot of these things. There's a yeah. lot of these things I bet myself. Like I don't personally will talk to them. I mean, you know, in, in, unfortunately in San Antonio itself, and this is like this is not just us. I mean, this is like across the whole country. Um, there's obviously a lack of psychological care. Yeah. I because mean, they're inundated. Um, but also finding somebody that's dedicated to chronic care management uh, and a nutritionist that's dedicated to GI kind of stuff is very hard to find right you know for years i've been told all the time by by you know you know some people, my my colleagues at ivy towers is that um well you just need to go find somebody i was like okay awesome so do you want me to interview like 50 people
0: mm-hmm. like i mean
1: i mean I mean I, I mean I don't have time for this kind of stuff um with that one so so we've been very lucky now that we have trellis now a lot of stuff we've been you know, kind of kind of piggybacking with them and helping us with that kind of holistic care kind of management with it uh, with it but i I also again my military ones are very dedicated folks i mean so a lot of them are doing you know we, we are very lucky at the military base um we actually have a wellness center so a lot of them are doing like yoga we can send them out to like um chiropractic kind of stuff we can send them out to like acupuncture so i will add you know more complimentary kind of stuff along with it too um to kind of kind of piggyback with it too
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm glad you've found those resources because you certainly yeah. don't need anything else to do in your life, it sounds uh, like. No,
1: no I'm, n- I'm never busy at all, ever, ever, <laughs> ever, ever. There's no such thing. <laughs>
0: So there's something that I have uh, been thinking about the past several years as I've interviewed some active service people and then mm-hmm. also some veterans who were separated from the military due to their IBD. And so I'm just wondering, like, what might be the difference? And can you talk about um, some of the things that you've seen and, and why people might be separated or, or why they might be allowed to stay?
1: Yeah. So it's so a great question. So, So I will tell you probably five years ago a lot of this changed for us and that was because of the oral therapies mm. so so you know like i mentioned before if you're an infusion biological agent uh, whether it be an infusion or a um, injection you can't deploy yeah. once you say you can't deploy automatically you go through what we call a medical board you know the the, the military and each one air force army navy they all have their own um their own regulations and if you don't meet the deployment mm-hmm. regulation you end up going through this process. So a lot of people end up, unfortunately, you know, you don't ask for the disease, but you need a therapy that's maybe the biological agent at that time. And you can't stay, depending on what the job was too. So there's a lot, there's a lot of interplay with stuff, but the basic factors tend to be what their job was.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So if, for example, if you, if you're someone who's in a tank, you know, works in a tank all day, you, you know, the tanker or like F-16 pilot, you can't be on infusions and injectables. It's just, it doesn't. You can't sustain that. You can't be deployed on that kind of stuff.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: About five years ago, when we had the first jack inhibitors came out, this was a game changer for us. Like mm-hmm. I mean, like mind blowing game changer. Now that we have another three orals now yeah. from two jack inhibitors and two S one Ps, this has been a huge game changer for us. Because a lot of times what you can do now is, is these folks once you get them under control and oral therapy, I can deploy them
0: because mm-hmm. it's a bottle, mm-hmm.
1: so they can literally take it like a, a six month shipment with them. In their, in their backpack with them. Um, and then they can also get it. So we, we've gotten to the point where we've also talked to their, like, their their line chain, their pharmacy chains, and say, hey, can you supply them? If they went somewhere, can you supply them this? They're like, yeah, we can. They come It comes in a big old shipment and they can get, they can get it over there. So yeah. um, that's really been the big difference between us right now in the last five years um, um, with that one. The other big things play a role too, like they had surgeries, the complications, that that plays a huge role too. I mean, you can't have multiple resections. Really, can't have a pouch. So I get, I've kept pouch patients, but I think the overall arching thing—you had to have an advocate. Yeah. I think that's what um, I learned when I when I got out, when I was in fellowship. You know, these folks, even though they were really adamant, they wanted to stay in the military, they didn't have an advocate for themselves because mm-hmm. most of the providers are like, well, you have IBD based on the regulations. Well, you got to get out. Um, we've changed it. I mean, you, you, us at, you know, at Brook Army here, my colleagues and I have changed this paradigm is, you know, we, we, we want to fight for you. We want to fight for the soldiers. I mean, if you want to take your if you want to be a child in 20 years, I will find a way to fight for you. Mm-hmm. Hence the oral therapies come in so that I can, I can play that game. But also I will fight for you tooth the nail. I'll send letters, memos, talk to their bosses. And, and we do. We have about a 70 percent retention rate. In the last six years wow. that we've done internally, that we've done the number. I mean, it's it, it's it's like it's like a it's a mind blowing number. Um, um, but again, but it's also based on like it's not it's not like a thousand patients. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. um it, it's still a small number that get that realm, but but we're very good at it because we because we want to be advocates. I mean, a lot of places may not be comfortable treating IBD, um, or they just really don't understand the 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 implications of regulation. So, um, um, do I push the envelope? Of course I do. Of course I do. But but I push it not to hurt them mm-hmm. but I also don't want to hurt the military Because I obviously don't want to deploy somebody if they're really sick and they get sick downrange yeah. like they're in the middle of like Afghanistan Iraq or wherever it happens and they get sick I'm putting everybody at risk so so, so but these are conversations I have in my clinic these are these are questions like kind of piggybacking your old, your old question the difference between us and civilians this is part of it too. Yeah. It's like, you know, you know, you know, I had that heart with the patient. Like, look, if I put you on this therapy, you might not be able to do this. I do this it might close some doors for you, but it may open some other doors. So I think that's where the big economy comes into play. I mean, it's hopefully changing soon. Like over the last couple of years, I think we're going to see a paradigm shift only because we train a lot of the fellows in the military and they train with me and my colleagues um, um, and they see what we're doing. So a lot of them will go to the other bases. Like, for example, you know, I just I just went out to uh, um, Traverse Air Force Base out in California and was talking to them about this kind of stuff. And they're like, mind blown. Like, what? I can keep pilots on this stuff? Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, this is phenomenal. I mean, so, so, so this, this has been a nice, you know, the blessing again um, is that, you know, I, I have the ability to go out to these other places and teach them what we're doing at our institution, and getting, you know, you're know, getting these people to stay on, letting them do their jobs, and letting them have you know, full careers in the military. I and mean, I have from, I have like, I have two to three star generals all the way down to like lower enlisted E ones and E twos. Obviously, as you're, as you're at the Unfortunately, kind of at the lower end, like E1s, kind of at the lower enlisted officers, is a little bit of a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, um, again, that's like the minutiae, which I won't get too much into. It all depends on their job and that kind of stuff. But yeah, but, but I think we're hoping, and we're hoping we're trying to make policy changes too. I mean, this is something that we're fighting with, you know, with people up at, up at the Pentagon and that kind of stuff. And my, Myself, my colleagues are trying to fight to change some of these regulations, which are old. Yeah. They're old. They don't take into account many of these drugs. Um, so we want to change the regulations so we don't have this happen where we have a lot more people leaving who want to stay in, people will fight for them and be able to be maybe be on oral therapy and still be able to be successful in their career with it.
0: Yeah. And with these newer oral therapies, some of them might be difficult to get if for those of us that are in private insurance in the yep. civilian space, how does that work for uh, yeah, active military? Yeah, So <laughs> that, 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 that's a sneaky question. That's a sneaky question. <laughs> sneaky, sneaky. I like it. I like it. I like it. Uh, yeah,
1: so, 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 so we're funded. Remember. So, so mm-hmm. we, we, you know, you know, the military medical system is a funded system, right? You know, a lot of times these oral therapies, we do have opportunities to get them first line because mm-hmm. of this reason. Okay, is that? I, I will talk to the pharmacy. I will talk to, you know, TRICARE, whoever the insurance carriers are, you know, when we do it, and personally talk to them and say, look, I need the oral therapies. I need to put them on first-line oral therapies because mm-hmm. I need them to stay active duty. Mm-hmm. If if I, pull, if I pull between, so, you know, typical military lingo, mission capable or, or mission, mission non-capable, what happens? If, if I tell them, well, you know what? I have this, you know, you, know, high, you know, high-ranking person who's phenomenal, highly general, but, you know, I need the oral otherwise, you know, if I put them on like an injectable or, or, or infusion, they can't stay in the military anymore. How can I stay by? Mm-hmm. So a lot. what we have done, and this is part of the progress that we've done, you know, the fight we've done for the last five years, is be able to get these first line, mm-hmm. be able to get these jack inhibitors, S1Ps, yes, you are correct. In the real world, it's very difficult to get them first line. Mm-hmm. Um, we have strategized and, and been very lucky to have phenomenal you know, leaders in both the pharmacy, um, um, both inpatient, outpatient pharmacy, but also leadership above that's fully supported what we're doing. Um, I mean, it, it's more than like, you know, knocking down bricks. I mean, I literally just had to knock down bricks one by one and find it. And you know, really kind of use that, that whole um, spiel that, you know, these, these are military folks. I mean, I got to keep them active. And the one thing to do is orals and we literally, I, we haven't had knock on a wood desk here, knock on wood. I haven't had any issues so far with that one.
0: Yeah. I mean, it just makes a lot of sense. So I would, I would hope so. I, hope, I would hope yes. that there's not yes. as many fingers crossed hoops that uh, yes. other people might have because it just makes yes. sense. I have talked to a few different veterans who transitioned, okay, and, and this was mm-hmm. usually because they were diagnosed with IBD, mm-hmm. and then they were separated from service, and then they had to transfer and, you know, learn how to manage the condition yep. also while learning how to receive care in a different system. So I'm wondering what kind of advice or tips that you have for people who might be going through that.
1: Yeah, so, so so this is a great point. So we actually, it's funny enough, we actually did a study on this. So, so I actually was able to get a, a small grant uh, um, to do a study looking at transitioning. Mm-hmm. So, so what what I would always notice, I mean, especially people came and saw me, was that their health literacy was very low. Because part of it, when I asked them what happened, it was like, you know, you're, whether you be 21, 20, however old you were, you get the diagnosis, what happens? It's like, it's like getting the cancer diagnosis. It's like, oh, you have UC, and it goes, everything else goes through your head. Mm-hmm. over your head and you're like, oh, how am going, really going to do my life? How am I going to do? And they forget about everything else around it. Um, so I started learning that, you know, I need, to, I need to start educating these people. I need to start educating these soldiers, especially them when we're transitioning out. So the study I did was looking at um, the military has its own transition process. It's a standard way they do every single person, every single military sector does this. It's a one week long process. It's not very medically oriented. I mean, there's some VA kind of stuff. But it doesn't go through your diagnosis. So I split patients into doing that regular stuff, and then doing that plus me. We have a survey, like to see what kind of what areas of their um, of their medical health literacy and that kind of stuff they were lacking, and we do edu- extra education on that one. So we noticed kind of like we saw obviously it, it, a big spread. We saw people who were more health literate or had more resiliency or coping skills that they got out of the military, as opposed to ones who did not have the same training. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we will follow three or six months after they got in the military. And you know, m- many of them flared unfortunately because of some VA issues. But even though the ones I give teachings to, they still maintain resilience and coping. They're able to manage their care without having to be like you know, you know, having the detrimental consequences of it. So what we started doing, we actually have a transition clinic. So we actually part of our part of our IVD clinic. Those who we know are transitioning, mm-hmm. we typically will see them. You know, we know six months out that they're going to be transitioning. Yeah, we may not know the exact date, mm-hmm. but within that time frame, I start I start the conversation. Okay, mm-hmm. hey. What is your plan? What are you going to be doing? Do you even know where you're going to be going? Where are you going to be living? What VA near you? I start that conversation. Mm-hmm. About three months before they're getting out, I really solidify it. Okay, okay. What state are you going to? You know, who are you living with? What's your job going to be? Where are you getting the insurance at? Where are you going to get all that kind of stuff at? And then, you know, a month before they get out, we we'll do the same thing. I, I, and that one, I really want solidified answers on uh, mm-hmm. that one. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times, once they, once they get their DD-214, which is paperwork to say that they're out of the military, um, we still have to have contact with us. Um, so many of them will have like my my email address. Um, very select few have my cell phone number. Um, 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 so whether they're transitioning, if they're having issues, they can email us directly and have contact with us still, and I could give them some more advice. What we noticed when the, and the problem was is that even though we gave them good you know health literacy, coping skills, all that kind of stuff, we still had a gap between getting out of the military and the VA kind of stuff, mm-hmm. and, and that and that's a, a work in progress that we're trying to work through. Um, that there's still lacks of, care, you, know, you know, limited access, care, depending on where they go, obviously, you know, if they're going to big Mecca city, IBD care is going to be easier in the VA. When you go to like small little places, you may not get the care. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them like wait times are like eight weeks to 10 weeks to see a primary care doctor who has been yeah. the consult for GI. Mm-hmm. So it's not like you can go straight to GI when you get out of the military. You have to go straight first primary care, then GI. And whether they have GI there or not. And so there's a lot of delays that happen in the back end after they get out of the military um, with that one. And a lot of that stuff is, you know, for me, what we're trying to do now is trying to approach that earlier.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's trying to break that, 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 that harm and that break. And figure out where they're going try to find a way to be the liaison between us and the va and get them in we've done a lot with san antonio va i mean i work with them i know the docs very very well um so, so we're doing a lot of transitioning between if they stay in san antonio i will do a lot between them here in austin also um i, I do a good chunk up there just to just kind of have that continuity between them but but it is i mean the 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 once you get into the va system it's a very um i i I don't want to say broken because it's not the right word. I'm, I'm thinking of, but I can't. I can't remember. It, it's a very disjointed system. Yeah. Because there are great IBD centers. Don't get me wrong. There's some phenomenal IBD centers within the VA, but they're like East Coast or West Coast. Right. Mm-hmm. The whole part of the middle of the U.S. Mm-hmm. is a big glut,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: most human beings and most military people, for the most part, are in the glut. Yeah. So, so it, it becomes a very difficult scenario. But, but a lot of times I tell them to be advocates for yourselves. I mean, I, I've done it where I told people, you know, bang the doors down, literally, be the jerk, be a jerk. Uh, with well, that one, I mean, it sounds awful. Oh, it's awful. The doctor saying this one because i I've been on the other hand. I really know what patients being jerks to me, being a pain in the butt. Uh, with that one, but, but for me, as I, this is your care and your livelihood. This is this is IBD.
0: Yeah. Okay. The
1: last thing you want is a flare. Yeah, you know, flare because then what happened you, when you were controlling the military, because we have pride in what we do in the military. We have pride in getting these people. We don't want to let them leave until they get control of their disease, mm-hmm. which whether whether it be medical therapy, surgical, whatever it be. Um, I, I, you know, we, we don't want them to leave and go and be in this gray zone and say, well, you know, the military had me half covered or half controlled. Now I wait for the VA and I don't know what the, when I'm going to get in the VA. So we don't want that. We don't want that gap. Um, on with that one, but, but a lot of times, what I tell the veterans is, and, and Crohn's and Colitis has done a great job. The Crohn's and Colitis actually has a website for veterans. Um, um actually, if you just Google Crohn's and Clyde veterans, um, there's actually a whole website that I help, I help Crohn's and Colitis help develop on um, my own mugs actually on the, as, as a video on there too um that, so you had to hear me again if you want to um, um painfully At that thought you had some alcohol too um, i want that one um i want that one um but but it has great i mean so i help them help kind of spearhead you know the assets there the the um handouts that kind of stuff to help them guide them through the va um um, um, um debacle sometimes
0: with mm. it. so we talked about oral therapies and how that's been a game changer. I actually didn't realize. How, I knew that it would be, but I didn't realize how, how big of one it would oh. be. Is there anything else that's being researched, anything you're researching or anyone else is doing that um, may help uh, any of these processes, either keeping people, retaining them or helping mm-hmm. them as they transition and, and avoiding uh, flare-ups during that, during that gap time that they have?
1: Yeah, and we were surprised too. We were literally surprised how much we are going to use. I, I literally have no idea. Like in the last two years, we've used a lot of the oral therapies. I didn't realize how much we were going to use. Like when they first came out, I was like, oh, I don't know if people are going to use it or not. People are so used to infusions and injectables. Once we started dabbling and realizing that, oh my goodness, like we, can, we can do like mind-blowing things with these drugs. Not only just from an efficacy standpoint, but also from like a duty standpoint. Like they were doing great. I mean, what we're looking at in the pipeline really is, the, is the orals, mm-hmm. like, what, you know, essentially what what we're looking for is obviously, you know, wh- which everyone's looking for. OK, the drug that is the most effective and that's the safest, more likely oral is what mm-hmm. we look for in the military sector. OK, um, um, that's a common sense one. Um, the one big area that we're still struggling with in the military, and I think that's with civilian too, is perianal disease. Mm-hmm. Um well, unfortunately, you know, we just had a you know one drug that was very hopeful um, that unfortunately did not make the FDA cut, which was very frustrating. Uh, um with that one, it has approval in, in, in the EU and Japan, but just didn't make it our cut for some reason. Mm-hmm. That was detrimental. I mean, that to me was like literally. I mean, there was a lot of curse words that night when I, when, I, when, I, when I saw that that that. Um, That uh, statement that came out, I was very, very angry. I mean, a lot of patients that were looking forward to it. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that's where an area that's still a big gray zone. Mm -hmm. I think the orals coming out of the pipeline, they're going to be magical for us. Mm -hmm. I mean, magical. Um, with that one. I mean, we're using it right now. I and mean, I mean, if they get safer, more efficacious, I mean, that's going to be our juggernaut. I mean, that, that's going to be our first line therapy. I mean, we're using the first line, but that'll be our juggernaut workhorses. But I think the, the pipeline still needs a very good perianal disease therapy. I think that's what we're still lacking. Um, you know, our personal research, I mean, we do a lot of clinical research. Um, um, we do some clinical trials, um, um, but, you know, my, my area is really, my need and my, my, my fun is clinical research. I mean, for, for what, I, what my guy and colleagues want to do is, we want advanced science.
0: Yeah,
1: this is our whole goal. I mean, so, so a you know, I work with a consortium with a bunch of IBD centers, like my own colleagues, you know, you know, around around the same level as me, around all IBD IBD centers around the whole country. Okay, we call it reboot IBD is the name of it. Um, so a bunch of centers from like Mount Sinai to Washington University, Wisconsin, I just the name of a few of them. I mean, I, I, I know I'm listing a bunch of them, but um, we've all got together, you know, egos aside, and we just said, look, we just want we want to put data out there. Mm-hmm. We want to put data like on these new Jack inhibitors, real-world data. We want to put it on the new S1Ps, on the new IL-23s. We want to do this, and we can do it in big volume without having... That you know, the cronies of a crony, um, or having like you know, having having these egos kind of play a big role in there,
0: mm-hmm. and that's
1: what we've done, and, and what we're doing. I mean, we have we have a couple posts coming at DW hopefully um, here next year. I mean, so so so, and that's what we we really push the envelope for. But also, what we're going to do, you know, you know, part of our internal kind of kind of research, um, looking at the active duty model, uh, mm-hmm. looking at looking at you know, you know, we don't have DI problems. Like we we don't have problems with racially you know, you know, you know, insensitive problems. Like everyone gets equal care mm-hmm. in, 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 in in a funded system. So we 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 put, we've we have done abstracts. We're gonna be publishing a paper on this one. Um, you know, looking at, you know, the cost of stuff. We're looking at, you know, cost savings, how is it in one system can we save I mean, we went biosimilars for for infliximab and mm-hmm. we saved two point one million in one year. Oh Publish that stuff. I mean so so we we, we wanna be able to show it in a system based model and we know it's a funded system. We can show changes. We can show improvements, but also showing that you know, we we're going to do some prevalence. In, I mean, we're doing a bunch of studies in the IBD realm um, to show that military IBD is here. Mm-hmm. We have people handling and managing it, but we can be very aggressive and showing like our whole goal is to show that if you're aggressive early, long term management is better. Mm-hmm. But also using these advanced therapies, like oral therapies first, yeah, proving that point. Like you know, screw the FDA with all this stuff. It's like you got to step through, step through, step through, step through. Mm-hmm. We want to bypass it. We want to say, look, you don't have to. If you go straight to the big juggernauts up front and people who really need it, you're going to save money in the long run. You're going to save time. You're going to help the patient. So I think that's what we, we we really kind of push and strive for when it comes to the research side with us.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so many people, of course, would agree with you. <laughs>
1: Yes, no, I, that, know. You I know never, <laughs> Trust me, I know. I, I, I have, I have the ones that leave the military, and the, the first words are many curse words. Mm. I can't say them on, on, on the podcast. <laughs> um, um, you might be bleeping me out. I'd be bit. bleeping you. Um, <laughs> maybe, yeah, bleeping <laughs> me out. Um, but yeah, they are. I mean, they, they, literally leave and they go to civilian sector because you know either yeah. they lose their military, their spouse, they, they don't get you know the, the extra care, right? Um, or, or you know they, they, don't have the military benefits and they, they're stuck. They're in the blood. Yeah. So like, look, I mean I can, I can get these things here, but I can't get them now. I'm like unfortunately this is unfortunately this is how our insurance is. Our insurance is just not not built to help people, unfortunately. we just sad enough to say, you know, you know, I'm a big believer. I mean, I am in a system that's a funded system. I believe in the insurance platform. Um, but it's just it's not it's not it's not doing right by people. And I think we're I think we're failing people a lot, unfortunately.
0: Yeah. I I agree with you. And yeah. in the interest of not failing people. You already <laughs> mentioned that Crohn's and Colitis Foundation does have a section of their website dedicated mm-hmm. to uh veteran I don't know if it's veterans or active military or veterans. both. Okay. Veterans,
1: veterans yeah.
0: Okay. I believe that they also have a Facebook group. Do you know of anything else or is there anything else that you send your patients to?
1: Yeah, so that's a, so actually Crohn's and Colitis and I believe it's I have to look at it again. I think it's on the veteran website. They actually do have um, support groups. Right. So the military actually... So there's actually... um, a couple of states kinda of got together and these are spouses of active duty people that actually got together and did a support group. Oh, um, um, I can see I I, I I I can email it to you if you want to put yeah. it up on on the website. Yeah, because I'll put on, it in the on, show on, notes. On the website. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, um I, I can send you that that flyer uh, mm-hmm. that came through from them. So there is a support group for military for military folks and but also their spouses also. Mm-hmm. Um, um there the Facebook ones are still there. Facebook, yeah, um, um I think the Crohn's High Veteran is a big one. There are some um local like there's not like a dedicated military one. I think that's okay. what we're trying to get. And I think Crohn's flight like, did a great job of having this one start with that one. But we're trying to also do it in our own system uh, within the military system. We try to find like a, a global virtual support group that we can do within right. the military system. And that, that's something that's, I'm hoping, you know, it's, it's, it's in very, very, very early progress um, with that one. I mean, uh, um, we're probably looking at another year or so that we can get something like that together. Um, a lot of this is going to be just kind of like Talking to the providers, if you're active duty, he's talking to your provider and, and, getting, and getting kind of the know-how. But but also, if you're if you're active duty and you're seeing active duty provider, they'll have access to us at the at, at Brookline Medical Center. Okay. They can always email us, message us within the medical record system, and we are more than happy to be supportive. We're more than happy to be, you know, I, I'm more than happy to give a phone call to somebody. I, I get a message from or email from. Mm-hmm. I've done it already. I mean, I've gotten emails from people from like families from Tripler. That were coming back to San Antonio. I just got an email over today that, that have an answer back. Like, you know, you know, Hey, I have family members. I have friends that are, have this disease they are coming into the city. What can you help them with? And and I haven't seen these patients in like years yeah. um, that I've never seen them before. And I'm more than happy. Like I, you know, for me, it's not, it had nothing to do with money, pride or anything like that. You know, to me is, is, you know, when, when, what I've learned a long time ago and it took me a while to kind of really understand this one of the state long in the military is that, Putting the uniform is very prideful.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, you get a lot of pride in doing it. I mean, I think that's why my wife and I are still in the military. Mm-hmm. My, my wife at to College in the military, and I think it's it's very humbling when you go in, walk in the doors, you have a uniform on, you get to see somebody in uniform, and you get to help them with their career, get to help them, but also help their family too. Yes. Because you know, you know, say for example, if the spouse is the one afflicted, not the not the active duty person, but you give them a, a backup, you give them a life, because what's gonna, what's the first thing that person's going to worry when they get deployed? What's happened to my spouse? but they going to go to the hospital again. Or they're going to get surgery without me being here. So I think that's, this is where we, we we've come and, and said that, you know, this is not a, a pride thing. This is something that we want to help. We want to help anybody we can. Like, trust me, like I would love to have like every, whatever, you know, we have about probably a hundred thousand soldiers that have this disease mm-hmm. um, with that one. I would love to help every single one of them. If we could, I like, I have, I have my pride is not that big. I mean, I, I seriously, this is what we do. And then, not just because I'm on this podcast with you, my fellows, my staff, my colleagues tell you the same thing. I don't change.
0: Mm-hmm. I don't
1: change when I leave here, I leave this podcast. I don't change when I go to my office. My fellows see when I see the pages in the office uh, with that one. I mean, our goal is to help soldiers. This is what we put the uniform on. So I have the flag on the right hand side uh, on, my, on my arm uh, is it, to help these people uh, I mean, get them to the point where they're not scared to leave. They're not scared to do anything um, with that one.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And military spouses. Gosh, that's a whole other topic that's for another episode. That's a whole other podcast, yeah. Amber. Oh, yeah. All yes. oh, right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm going oh, yeah. to put it on my short list. You've talked about so many things and opened my eyes and, of course, the listeners as well as they're hearing this. Do you have any general advice, any any last tips that you have for anybody who's active military or a veteran who's living with IBD?
1: Yeah. And I, I always do these. like a 2 prong thing, okay? One's going to be have hope, okay? Don't lose the hope. Mm-hmm. Even if doors close on you in certain ways, don't lose the hope because there's always going to be people that are going to help you, okay? So don't ever lose hope. The second thing is be your advocate. Like I mentioned before, be an advocate. If you have the hope, you're an advocate for yourself, things will get better. And this is what every single person that leaves the military, this is the last line I leave them with. It's exactly what I just told you, I leave them with every single one of them, is have hope and be an advocate. Those are two big things I think I believe in. I still heart to myself. I do it myself. I'm a big believer in it. Uh, with that one, but I also want them to believe in it too, that hope is not lost when you leave the military.
0: I love that. Dr. Patel, you're a busy person. You've taken a lot on, (laughs) um, but I'm wondering, uh, what do you do for fun in the five minutes a week you have in your spare time? Oh my
1: gosh, Amber. So, (laughs) So I'm a big sports guy. Uh, um, um, you asked me before my favorite color was so yeah. Big football, baseball, basketball. Um, my wife and I go to Spurs games a lot here in San Antonio. Um, I mean, I have a six and four year old, so they take a lot of my time. Um, with that one, so so you know, h- hanging out with them. You know, I'm I'm simple. Like I'm I'll tell you like, I'm like a hermit. I I just want to, I just want to sit around, you know, have a little thing of whiskey and watch my Netflix. Um, I'm happy camper, like very simple and easy. Um, I'm a big sports guy. I mean, for me, sports is like kind of like my, my, my saving grace. Now the Giants stink this year, so I can't, (laughs) they're frustrating, so they don't help me a lot. Um, I want that one, but I do. I mean, for me, it's the family the way I can do what I do now and the way, you know, give me the ability to be an advocate and have this access and be able to do things like this with you Mm -hmm. um, is my family. Mm -hmm. I mean, I mean, I mean, everyone always says it takes a village and and I I believe in it. And I mean, I have, my kids are amazing little kids. My wife is probably the biggest saint in the world. I mean, I think she's an amazing soldier. She's a a doctor, Mm -hmm. a phenomenal mother, my best friend, my soulmate. I mean, she's the one that, probably brings it all together. And I, I, my, my parents, my in-laws, my brother, like all, all, all these ones um, have really kind of built and helped me build this platform that we have. And I think this is where I show, I mean, my family comes in my office I mean, my my, my, my whole client knows my, my children. Mm-hmm. I mean, they come every single Halloween, every single Thanksgiving, Christmas um, and Easter, they hang out candy to everybody. Mm-hmm. Like we give them candy. They hang out candy to everyone in the house, random people, and they love it. I mean, it's, but I, want them to, I want them to know that um, I do have a human side uh, my name is my family. My family is probably the number one thing that drives me and drive me to do this kind of stuff and have the passion I do is them mm-hmm.
0: with them. Well, when I reached out to you, you said yes to me right away. And uh, which was <laughs> amazing. And so I, I understand I uh, yeah. now how you are probably a lot of people's first go to when they are <laughs> when they have a problem, because uh, you're you're a yes man. You're going to say you're going to say yes, you're gonna say yes and appreciate. you're going to help yeah. people. Yeah. Yep, yep. So, well, you know, on behalf of everyone who lives with IBD, because what you do is not only helping the patients in front of you, it's also helping all of the rest of us, especially with the research. So thank you so much for doing all of that and for helping your individual patients who are active military. Um, I, I don't think they could ask for a better advocate. And thanks for talking with me today. Well, thanks for
1: having me, Amber. I really appreciate it. This is a great opportunity. Love it. Love to do it again in the future.
0: Oh, well, I'm going to hold you to that. So. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in. Hey, Super Listener. Thanks to Dr. Anish Patel for taking time from his busy schedule to talk to me. What he's doing is so important because it is creating change for people with IBD, both in the military and outside of it. Plus, it was really fun to connect with him and talk about not only these important issues, but also our mutual love of a good whiskey. November is National Veterans and Military Families Month. November 11th each year is Veterans Day. I'm including a number of links to information and resources for active service people and for veterans in the show notes. The Veterans Crisis Line is available 24/7 by dialing 988 and pressing one, by sending a text to 838255, or by chat at veteranscrisisline.net. Plus, as always. Links to a written transcript, everyone's social media handles, and more information on the topics we discussed is in the show notes and on my episode 141 page on aboutibd.com. Thanks for listening. And remember, until next time, I want you to know more about IBD. About IBD is a production of Mal and Tal Enterprises. It is written, produced, and directed by me, Amber Tresca. Mix and sound design is by Mac Cooney. Theme music is from Cooney Studio.